Good morning. Are you wet? Isn't this crazy weather? I've got a couple things I want to... How many of you noticed there was a guy out in the parking lot in a rubber suit with an umbrella? Give him a hand. Amen. Then another thing, uh, how many grandparents here today? Raise your hand. Give them a hand. We're blessed to have you. This is what it's all about. In fact, every preacher should do this every week because then the house is full. Amen. What we're going to do today, you're going to be blessed. There's a book written by a Greek scholar, Rick Renner, who's phenomenal. He's um, in Russia started to work there, and he wrote, I would encourage you to get his book because it's so scriptural and it gives you so much more insight and understanding of the birth of Jesus. Amen. But let's stand up. We're going to begin and sing together.
Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What we're going to do now is receive today's tithes and offerings. And if you need an envelope, there will be one on the chair in front of you. And uh, ushers, you can kindly wait on the people. And then also I want to make one important announcement. Everyone say, this is important. We have a nursery. So if your little one needs to go to the nursery, by all means, it's right back there. You can see the light in the room. You're more than welcome to go. Amen? There'll be no Wednesday service this week. Thank you. 
In Micah chapter 5, in verse 2, we read, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. In Luke chapter 2, we read, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. In the hills surrounding Bethlehem today, there are many caves that were once used as stables and barns for the livestock of locals and of travelers passing through. Inside those caves, holes had been bored at various intervals along the dense stone walls as a means of hitching or tying up an animal. Below those hitching posts were troughs, also carved right into the walls for feeding and watering the livestock and cattle. One such cave in Bethlehem, rudimentary and undistinguished in appearance from other similar caves, was the place where something miraculous cursed miraculous occurred and changed the course of human history. A baby was born there to a traveler who had arrived from Nazareth with her husband. The couple finding no other lodging in this small town that has been named in songs, storybooks, and biblical accounts for more than 2,000 years. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Mary's father, Joachim, was a scroll scholar, or a man of the Word, which means he and his family's lives were centered around God's Word. Mary was brought up in a household where God's Word was a priority, and her family taught her to obey whatever God requested of her. This is why when the angel Gabriel told her she had been chosen, Mary accepted it without a deep struggle. Mary was favored, singled out, and graced by God for the purpose of bringing forth the Savior of the world. In Matthew chapter 1 we read, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before there came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being just a man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. 
But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus." God's selection of Joseph to be Jesus' earthly father was not an accident, nor was it the result of a random choice. Joseph was trustworthy with his talents as a very skilled carpenter whose work was highly sought after in the area which he lived. He was trustworthy with his business and with his money. When learning about Mary's pregnancy, Joseph had the right to publicly break the engagement and even had the right to have her stoned. Instead, Joseph behaved mercifully toward Mary instead of being judgmental. After receiving the visit from the angel in his dream, Joseph promptly obeyed what the angel of the Lord commanded him, showing that in the midst of overwhelming news, Joseph was still able to hear from God and obey without question. Thank you. 
in Luke chapter 2, in verse 8, we read, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. God does not choose people at random. And these shepherds were no exception. The shepherds that were visited by the angel of God were watching over the flocks by night. These particular shepherds were given the very serious responsibility to breed and raise sacrificial lambs for the sacrifices at the temple. Because the lambs were to be offered to God, they had to meet very specific standards, such as making sure the birthing area was ceremonially clean, and once they were born, the lambs had to be wrapped in strips of cloth or swaddling cloths to prevent them from any injury. The shepherds then placed the lambs in a stone feeding trough or a manger until a priest came to inspect them and declare them to be without blemish and therefore fit to be used as sacrificial lambs. After they were declared fit to be used, the shepherds were constantly guarding and watching these lambs because they were to be used for temple sacrifices, particularly at the time of Passover. In Luke chapter 2 we read, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward man. Prior to the miraculous birth of Christ, even angels, though they lived in the presence of God, were not able to look directly into the face of God. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 6 and verse 2, the prophet Isaiah wrote that he saw angels in heaven's courts covering their faces because even they cannot look directly into the blazing glory of God's countenance. Jesus divested himself of his glorious appearance in heaven as God and in humility clothed himself in human flesh in the form of a servant in order to save mankind. At the time of Jesus' birth, a multitude of the heavenly hosts came to witness this miraculous event. In human flesh, these angels were enabled, literally for the first time, to look God in His face. This immeasurable number of angels appeared at that moment dressed like heavenly soldiers. The reason they appeared as soldiers was that even in His human birth, Jesus was their commander-in-chief. The angels came dressed appropriately because they were looking into the very face of God, their chief commander, for the first time. As heavenly troops and heaven's armies, they were dressed to salute their great commander-in-chief who had entered the work in Bethlehem and was being his assignment in the earth. In Matthew chapter 2 we read, 
Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen a star in the east, and we've come to worship him. In the Greek text, the wise men that Matthew tells us about were actually called the Magi. The Magi were a sacred caste of the Medes that were high-ranking, powerful, fabulously wealthy priests who were devoted to interpreting dreams and studying constellations. They were a combination of scientists, politicians, and religious leaders, and they were extremely wealthy. The Bible never states exactly how many Magi came to see Jesus, although early tradition stated as many as 12 Magi came to worship Jesus. The Magi would give certain amount of gifts and treasures to a king based on their status. So it is safe to say that the Magi brought Jesus a considerable fortune. The Greek gifts are the three gifts that the Bible does emphasize that were given to Jesus. Gold, frankincense, myrrh were for a specific purpose. The gold would have been of the purest form, only fit for magnificently wealthy, powerful kings or nobility. Frankincense was exotic, rare, and so valuable that it could even be more expensive than gold itself and was the chief fragrance used in temple worship in Jerusalem. Frankincense was predominantly connected with a priest and his priestly functions. Myrrh was an aromatic substance that was very rare and very expensive. Myrrh was in high demand as a perfume, especially for royalty, and also was used in the embalming process. These three gifts of the Magi prophetically foretold that Jesus would eventually serve in the role of king, high priest, and savior of mankind through his death and resurrection.
We got a renegade lamb. I've chosen for uh, our conclusion to read a passage from the Message Translation in Philippians chapter 2. It says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if His love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front and don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of Himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim any special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life, then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, the crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far above anyone or anything ever so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow and worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that He is the Master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. So we see today that when God the Father sent His Son into the world, Jesus left His heavenly home, took upon Himself human flesh, and because of this great exchange, he stood in our place. He has felt what we feel. Even today, He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And He intercedes for us with great compassion as our High Priest. Almighty God came to this earth, formed as a human being in the womb of a human mother for one purpose. So He could die a miserable death on a cross to purchase our salvation. In a season of the year when most people think of Jesus as the babe in a manger, it is important that we remember the real purpose of His coming. Jesus was born as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. For Jesus to humble Himself even unto the death of the cross demonstrates to us how much He was willing to redeem you and me. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Let's sing this parting Christmas carol.
Well, I want you to give these kids and these teachers a big round. Amen. I want all of you to have a strife-free Christmas. A blessed, joyful Christmas. Amen. God bless you.